0: Oh, Deja, I think I love you. No one's got a rest in this space quite like you. There's no one in and out of space quite like you. walks the milk and mossy. What's up, everybody? I'm Jason Ward from MakingStarWars.net, and uh, if you're listening to this on a podcast, um, I look beautiful right now. Uh, All that said, a couple of interviews with Tony Gore have come out. One in particular I wanted to hit on, and there was a couple of things at the Bestman Bulletin that I wanted to hit on today, too. Um, I didn't realize, like a dummy—well, I did realize, but I didn't think about it—that tomorrow's Thanksgiving, probably won't be able to do a show— And uh Bespin had a bunch of articles he put up that he put up so we could use on the show too. He was like he was very considerate, he's a very considerate man, and I was like, Well, we need to get to that. And then um, so all this stuff hit, and I was like, you know what? I need to get to this. So here we go. Right now, we'll just get right into it. Um, the rap article was a good one too. Oh, I don't know if I saw the rap one, but let me let me know what's in the in the rap one and if we need to pull it up if or not, but um In this one, and from The Hollywood Reporter by Brian Davids, Andor creator Tony Gilroy talks Luthen's Good Day, that post-credit scene in season two. So the showrunner looks at the challenges and lessons that will carry him into the conclusion of the critically acclaimed Star Wars show. The second jump out of the airplane is more terrifying. Get rid of this little ad here. Now that Andor... Season one has come to a close. Creator Tony Gilroy is already off and running on a season two. The showrunner of the critically acclaimed Disney plus star Wars series is currently embarking on a shoot that will last through August of 2023. So once again, lines up with what me and Bestman have been saying for quite a while now, all the way down to the start. So whatever, but he still managed to carve out some time to answer some of the lingering questions from the season one finale. In Rick's Road, the citizens of Ferex were so inspired by Marva's parting words by a hologram that they fought back against the Imperial forces that had been occupying their town for, for quite some time. Cassian Diego Luna, um, <laughs> would uh, what is it? who couldn't help but risk everything to return home from his adoptive mother's funeral, managed to spot spy master Luthen Rail in the crowd and once he freed bix from captivity and got her and the rest of his friends out of dodge he then caught up with the shadow shadowy rebel on his ship knowing that luthan was looking to tie up loose ends cassian made it easy by offering either his life or his loyalty to the rebellion and i gotta say i f- i feel like if you were watching this season and you were really into it like that ending was very satisfying. And wouldn't you guys agree? Like that. Luther just kind of giving like that smirk, that smile. If the show hadn't earned that, it would not have worked, but it did. Thank you. Thank you, Matt. I just got the message right now. Thank you so much, dude. And yeah, we'll we'll, we'll read it after this one. I appreciate the help, dude. Um. So anyways, they earned it. I feel like they earned it. They earned it with me. And when it happened, it was very satisfying. So knowing that Luthen was looking to tie up loose ends, Cassian made it easy by offering either his life or his loyalty to the Rebellion. And uh, yeah, that was that was good. Earlier in the season, they talked about how, how they all like swore oaths and stuff. And I was like, how formal was that? But we saw Cassian's form of it, and that was pretty cool. So anyways, it's a big day for Luthen. This is, I think, Gilroy. Right. It's a big day for Luthien. When he's listening to Ma'arva's speech, it's not pride of ownership on his part, but it's another corner of the farm he's trying to grow. So he's very proud when he hears that, Gilroy tells The Hollywood Reporter. And my God, to finish up the day and have the new asset, Cassian, walk in, who is now basically saying, all right, I'm in, blood oath. That's a pretty good day, I think. Yeah, I mean, uh, (laughs) when when you... When you really look at at Luther took some wild bets, I mean that was the guy that he was gonna 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 kill. And the guy that he was gonna gonna kill ended up being the best asset that he that he that he grew over the season, maybe. So, anyways, the episode also features a rare Star Wars post-credit scene that confirms that Cassian and the other Narkina five prisoners were in fact building components for the Death Star. Uh, as reported by makingstarwars.com. The very weapon, it doesn't say that, but it should, Uh, the very weapon that will eventually claim Andor's life in Rogue One. Despite the reintroduction of Star Wars' Planet Planet Destroyer, Gilroy says, it'll still be an impending threat in the background of season two, and its construction won't take on a more active presence. So that's that's pretty big in terms of how we should conceptualize this when the when the bunk rumors start coming out, the fake spoilers start coming out, look at this. Gilroy says they will forget this. the fakers will forget this most likely. So it'll be an impending threat in the background of season two. So we know it's there. We saw it at the end of this. We know it's out there. it's it's a problem, but it's construction won't take on a more active presence. What does that mean for uh for um, what's his name krennic like in a way I, I feel like with that if there's not an active presence there i don't know if we get krennic in season two i mean that that could be saying no krennic or at least implying krennic's not that big of a deal to it the construction anyway so we'll see though so he says it'll still be looming it'll still be the looming threat rogue one is all about discovering what it is Season two is about who picks up the final breadcrumbs that lead to the beginning of Rogue One. <coughs> Excuse me. So so who picks up the final breadcrumbs? So does that mean does that mean that we would go to go to Bodie Rook? Is that I don't mean to like you know attach too much to what we already have with what we already think we know, but Bodie Rook is kind of you know. And once again, thank you, Matt, for the, for the article. We'll, we'll get to it right after this one, dude. Thank you for the help. Um, well, okay, so in a recent conversation with THR, Gilroy also discusses why none of the Season 1's directors are returning for Season 2. Well, bravo, Tony. Thank you. I'm bowing down. So they say, uh, THR says, you're a history buff. So was the funeral procession turned riot attack loosely based on anything? And then Gilroy says, The first comp is somewhere between those epic, provisional IRA funerals. God, there's footage of some of them, and it's just incredible what these funerals turn into. And then the other comp is a New Orleans second-line funeral procession, the joy and the soul of that. So those are the two comps. There's also the idea of civic organizations like the Daughters of Farricks and a community orchestra of aspirational musicians. For anybody who pays attention, there's a doctor named Dr. Momoy, Matt Dunkley, and he's the lead trumpet player in the band. So you see different people in the town. And oh oh, and where it all came from. Oh, by the way, in this picture, you can see Star Wars Santa. Wait, wait, you see him right here? Can you see him right there in the middle? That that's totally Star Wars Santa right here, dead center. If you guys uh ever watch Star Wars Santa's show, there's his cameo that has to be him. It's I, it can't be just some random guy with the, with the white beard. There's only one guy with the white beard and it's star Wars, Santa. And there he is right there. I see him. I see him with my own eyes. So anyways, uh, then, uh, THR goes on to say, I've been wondering why we hadn't seen Fiona Shaw's Marva in a little while and why she died off screen, but you answered those questions in the best way. And he says, were you surprised when she came back in the hologram? And they say, I was because so much happened off screen. I initially thought you faked her death so she could lead the surprise attack. And then, and then Gilroy says, I heard that theory. I heard that theory. And I was like, Oh my God, that's a legit idea. I was like, wow, they snuck the body out and they did the whole thing. So it's a legit idea, but no, Marva was absolutely dead right here. We can, we can see her, her Snoke sized hologram. Yeah, I was, I was initially mad when I first, when I first heard, that she died off screen. I was like, come on. Are you fucking kidding me? You know, that, that was like, that was like my natural, like gut, like why, you know? And then when I heard that this hologram thing happens, so I was like, oh, okay. It's kind of a slow, kind of a little bit of a slow burn on that part. And I, was, I was down with it. I was pretty happy with it. So THR says, was Fiona Shaw still there on the day to give her speech to the other actors to hear? And he says, no, we did that speech first. So I remember Bespin Bulletin actually had the scoop on this. And although the actors um, and the people involved were just telling Bespin, like, yeah, like an important person died, you know. So that, that rings that rings true to his reporting. So he goes on to say, uh, uh, THR goes on to say, The final exchange between Cassian and Luthan shows that Cassian has reached a point where he's willing to die to protect the people he loves or take me in also suggests that he's now ready to take the rebellion vow as well. So is Luthen's smile one of pride? And then Gilroy says, yeah, it's a big day for Luthen." While he's listening to Marva's speech, it's not pride of ownership on his part. It is and it isn't, but it's another corner of the farm he's trying to grow. So he's very proud when he hears that. And my God, to finish up the day and have his new asset walk in, who's been all through... All this stuff, and he's still standing there, and he managed to not kill. And he's now basically saying, all right, I'm in, Bloto. That's a pretty good day, I think. And by the way, um, I think it's something that should be praised about this show. Some Star Wars shows have a weak plot, and it's just all stuff, right? Some have all plot, no stuff, just to say it stupidly. This show was so masterfully fucking done. Like, I cannot kiss this thing's ass enough. Like, at the end of the story, everybody wants to kill Cassian. Like, every single thing is going against that guy. You know, there's even a point where they're like, yeah, let's let the bad guys get him so the good guys could shoot him. (laughs) Like, it's so fucking, like, that is stakes. That is high stakes. And I I think it's fucking genius, beautiful writing, Uh, plotting everything i mean i i'm in love with the show i really can't say enough good things about it so um thr goes on to say when i spoke to denise Gao, Gao and kyler soller about their first days on andor they both described the setting in the finale so did you shoot the finale first or was it just the first day of for certain actors and then gallery says well we shot out of wait we shot out everything in frederick's first excuse me so it's possible that the finale was their first day tracking has always been the writer's job and it's always been my job on every movie that i've been on it's a smaller job but it's still very very complicated you have uh you really have to be the person who can track it all the way through you have to be the person who knows where you're at the story at all times it's a huge advantage for writer directors even if they don't know how to do the camera or anything else, they have a huge leg up because they're the ones, they're the one person who really knows where you are all the time. And so on a show like this, it's really complicated. And then we have directors come in for blocks and justifiably so. They only care about their shit that's in front of them. Sometimes they don't pay attention to what's before or after. Sometimes we have to do stuff like that. So one of my jobs is that I have to make sure all of that. I have to make sure of those things, but these actors, they are very good at knowing how to track. They're very good about trusting me and having conversations about where they are. So that was probably the first day for them, which is a tough scene to shoot first. Right. Then they say, I'll say, and he says, when you shoot a late season scene early, You don't want the actor to come to you three months later and say, well, I really wish I'd known that. I would have done that differently. So you don't want to hear that. I've heard that, and it hurts. So, yeah, that that makes sense. Also, though, you know, in in this show, like, you know, from my perspective, from Jason's perspective here, it's like she is vulnerable, like, in these moments going right from – that riot into this, this stuff right here, in a way I can kind of see it maybe being easier to get the vulnerability out of the way. I wonder if, I I wish I could ask her, you know, that's, that's a, 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 actually a good question for her. If anybody ever gets to interview her, ask her that. So Mon Mothma, Genevieve O'Reilly fabricated a story that her husband's gambling is responsible for the missing money in her account. And then Gilroy says, you're the first person who's brought that up. I love that. Thank you. Okay. That's weird. Uh, And then THR asks, why does she still go through with the Skolden family arrangement? If, if she already planted that gambling related cover story. And then Gilroy goes on to say, she's just trying to cover all the tracks. Skolden originally came in and said, Oh, I know your husband. So in the end, Skolden probably thinks that this is really about her husband's gambling debts. He doesn't know what the real purposes are. But what I'm saying there is that she's just covering all the bases. If anybody comes looking, if anybody's wondering why she might be borrowing money, or if Skolden is wondering why she might be borrowing money, she can lay it off on poor Perrin. (laughs) Poor dude, look at him right here. He's like, what, man? He's like, I'm not gambling, man. I ain't going to the track, bro. What? Come on, dude. You know me, man. I'm just wheezing the juice, man. Of course not, dude. Come on. So then uh, THR says The post credits scene confirms that Narquina 5 was actually building components for the Death Star. Will the Death Star's construction have a more active presence in season two? Or will it remain as the looming threat in the background? And he was on to say, it'll still be the looming threat. Rogue One is all about discovering what is. Season two is about who picks up the final breadcrumbs that lead to the beginning of Rogue One. And Rogue One, Cassian goes to the Ring of Kaffirine to meet Tivik, who is from Saw's group. And he says, oh my God, it's a planet killer. Cassian knows some shit, but he's looking for answers. So we'll cover the breadcrumbs that lead up to that, sure. But we have a situation where Cassian will never know that that what he was building is actually the machine that's going to kill him. And and I would also say the machine he was building is the machine that he defeated, depending on how you want to look at it, right? So THR goes on to say, Do you have to? And do you have do you intend to create any new scenes that fit within Rogue One's timeline? Be it a new perspective on an existing scene or a new in-between moment? And he says, No, we're we're going to literally into it. So it'll be him walking out to get on the ship and go there. So we're not going to go into Rogue One. And then, uh, okay, so that's that's good to know. So we won't have any sideways. We won't we won't see any characters like you know like Stillen, Scarsgard's Luthan, what he's doing at the time or anything like that. So THR says, if money was no object, would you have shown the the Krieger ambush? And he says, well, in the grammar of our show, I probably wouldn't. Our grammar is pretty rigorous without establishing Krieger as a speaking character, as someone that we've been with or or some other peripheral character who's there or something. I probably wouldn't. So (coughs) excuse me, guys. We don't we don't ever go anywhere where one of our characters isn't walking us into it. Death Star Easter eggs aside and a few extreme cases like that. Even with our camera, our grammar is very rigorous about what we allow ourselves to do and the perspective we are allowed to have. So probably not. I would I would take the Krieger money that you're giving me and put it somewhere else. So that answers that. Did Bix answer the answer Krieger access question off screen? See, I found that interesting because they didn't buy it. Because they, 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 like, literally go on and say, like, go find access to a uh, Dedra. So they weren't they weren't taking that. So, the, yeah. So, Galway says, the scene ends before anything. Like, the scene ends before anything. But she's literally breaking down there. She doesn't have an answer for them. She doesn't have anything that they want. Yeah, see, like, when I first watched that scene, I don't know about you guys, but I thought they that they were taking that as like an affirmative, even though it wasn't, I thought they were just like torturing her and getting, you know, getting what they wanted out of it. But, but clearly clearly not. They're just like, okay. So THR goes on to say composer, Nick Bratel wrote the funeral march. Right. And he says, that's the first thing we all did together. We didn't really even know each other. That's the first project we did before we started shooting. We did that. And some of the Ferrix binging and stuff, it so was like, like the, the, the hitting of the pipes and shit. And then we didn't see each other for like six months, but we did that first, yeah. We fell in love doing that. So, And then T R says, in season two, your three-episode arcs will apparently cover a year each. But how exactly will that work? Will there be time jumps between episodes or within each episode? <laughs> and he says, so this is actually pretty juicy. They are actually super condensed. They're like three days, four days, two weeks, four days. They're really tight. It's cool that way. That's what's exciting about it. You can go away for a year, come back for Friday, Saturday, Sunday, and then jump a year. So they won't be spread out. It won't be like block two takes place uh, over another year. So they're very concentrated, which is fun. And then you have to account for all the negative space and what happened in the interim. So I think that accounting for that negative space and stuff is going to really change up up the narrative of the show i think like that's going to feel different that's going to feel completely different than what we've got in some ways i think maybe maybe i'm wrong but you know there's gonna be a lot of like look at where we are now as opposed to where we were right so i um, i i just do i think it'll be great but that that is a little scary um T.H.R. says, you began the series with Cassian asking about his sister. And then Marva later tried to discourage him from looking into it any further. So will that thread be pulled out again at some point? And then he says, that's to be decided. I don't want to get out in front of that question. So I'm going to say yes. And then they said, then T.H.R. says, you didn't bring out any season one directors back despite stellar work on their part. Did you want more of that new energy that works so well the first go around? Writer's note, Ariel Kleiman, Janice Metz, and Alonzo Ruiz Palacios will also be directing on season two. Uh, Man, we tried really hard. Ben Caron didn't want to come back because he had his movie, Sharper, with Julianne Moore. He's a big feature director now, so he wants to see how his feature goes. We also wanted Toby Haynes to come back really badly, but he got jammed up on black mirror. So we couldn't, so he couldn't give us a decision in time and we had to pull the trigger. <coughs> that sucks. But um, it's very hard getting directors. There's a lot of people who are shopping for this, for the same people all the time. And there's only a certain number of people. It's not easy to do this show. You can't learn on this job. We can't take big, ch- we can't take big chances with these blocks. People have to be pretty experienced. And so that's a smaller group. There's a billion shows and everybody is scrounging for people. And a lot of people have, have a psychological impediment. They say, Oh, I don't want to do a season two. And we're like, this is not season two. It's a whole other thing. And so it's a lot, it's a lot of work getting directors. It's, it was way more difficult than I ever thought. So, That's an interesting way he's looking at it, isn't it? It is almost like he is doing a different show for season two. Once you wrap season two, do you think you'll be open developing more Star Wars projects without being the showrunner or me or point man? And then he says, Gilroy says, I literally could not even begin to answer that. There's no way to know that. It certainly doesn't feel that way to me. It seems like at the end of the five years, I'm going to want to do something else. I mean. I always like to do something else. I've never tried to do the same thing again, but I wouldn't say never or no or anything, but I know for sure is I don't know. So that's actually a pretty good, it's actually a very positive sign, but he hasn't done the second season yet. So let's let's wait and see what it says on the back end of that. What was the biggest lesson you learned from season two that you'll apply to season, that you, from season one that you'll apply to season two? And it's knowing and feeling confident that all of our energy and the insanely obsessive vibe we created can carry us for another season through August. The second jump out of the airplane is more terrifying. The first time you do it, your naivete uh, carries you through. But um, sorry, I lost my place. But what overcomes the terror of it all is knowing that we have this really great community and vibe. Everybody's a filmmaker. And these people just respond when you give them room and just enough money to do their job and tell them how good they're doing. They just put the shit on screen and don't waste any money. So it's a good feeling to know that we have a community that works. So that's pretty pretty good stuff in that article, really, you know. Um I, like I said, I'm just so so into to that that first uh season of the show. Like I'm actually really looking forward to when I have a lazy day, like my next my next lazy day, uh, I just kind of want to watch the whole thing, you know. All right, where did where did Matt send me that that article? That's the question. I lost it. Wait, is this Matt? Nope, nope, nope. Okay, I think Matt sent it to me over here. Wait, yeah, there there it is, Matt. I found it, Matt. Thank you. And this this next article is from the Wrap. Uh, Thank you, Matt. I Always appreciate the help, dude. You're all, you're always really Matt. Matt's the best at at finding articles and, and knowing if they're trash or not. I'll, just, I'll tell you that much. I don't think I don't think anybody has anybody can beat beat Matt on that. So um, let me let me share it right now. Once once my computer uh, decides it'll let me do whatever I want. Wait. Endor season one ending explained. Here we go. No, that's what it was. I'm not don't want the rap sending me messages. Ain't gonna happen, rap. Okay, here we go. So this is from the rap. Let me close out the other article. Endor season one ending explained by creator Tony Gilroy. Gilroy also tells the rap about that credits end scene in Jesus season two of the Disney Plus series. So the series, which serves as a prequel to Rogue One, let's skip a lot of the stuff. Everybody could go and read that if they want to at com. Before we get into the finale, Disney is showing the first couple of episodes of Andor on Hulu and Freeform. It feels like a great show of support, but also that maybe not enough people are watching. What is the vibe you're getting? So they went they asked him. <laughs> straight up, hey, hey. Your show fucking up? No, he says I have no clue. Honest to God, um, I wait. I in the same day? I guess it must be in the same day. I've seen completely contradictory information. I make my daily uh, pilgrimage to Twitter and see what the fuck is going on. And you go, it's like a disaster. No one's watching it. And then I see something else. Well, I, I wonder if, if if the narrative no one's watching is. Uh, a bit overblown and actually advantageous to them. But he goes on to say, I honestly, I I honest to God, don't really know what the numbers are. This is what's common. That's what all these labor issues are about because this is new business. This is not anything that anybody went through before. There was this sort of year-long era about a year ago where when everyone tried to make deals and tried to figure out what, and everybody was trying to pretend like, that this is like, oh, this is what, this is, this is we, oh, this is we haven't figured out this is business. Okay, whatever. This is how we're going to do it. And now we're like doing is like it of Oz, man. And I'm not even speaking pejoratively. I'm not speaking antagonistically. I don't think that anybody on the Empire side or the Rebellion side, I don't think anybody really knows what they're doing and knows what the right thing to do is for the business. I honestly don't know what the numbers are. And as you know, the numbers mean different things. Who's watching? How long they watch? Are you creating an asset that has decades worth of value? Are you opening into other IP that makes your show even more valuable when you could more or even more valuable than you could ever imagine? There are so many dimensional metrics to this. And they're all obscure. I think everybody's trying to figure it out. I think it's going to take a long time before we know what all this means. And uh, you know what? Usually whenever I hear something like that, I would just be like, oh, yeah, that's a great fucking deflection, creator, creator man. Creator man's deflecting. That's what I would usually say. But in this instance, I think he's right. And I think the proof that's right is go look at some schlocky YouTube channel that says the show is done. Disney plus is over. It's all shit. And then go look at the other person. That's like talking, like kissing its ass saying how incredible it's doing. And, and it's because of this reason or that reason, it all depends on how they want to fudge the math. So I, I think he's actually being pretty upfront on this. I think he's actually like saying how it really is for him. Um, it doesn't really mean that, uh, That he's that he's that it's good or it's bad. I don't think anybody knows yet. I think we'll have to see, but um, so okay, so the rap goes on to say, I talked to Diego the other day, and he said, You're shooting on Monday. Um, and as as long as that is still happening, (laughs) and then okay, then Gilroy says, It's a struggle, man. I mean, it's not, you have your ear to the ground, you know, that in the last two years. There have been shows without budgets that happened. There's some shows that started before us without budgets that haven't even come out yet. This show shall remain nameless, but there's hamburger all over the highway. We are on a tight leash. It's a big leash, but it is tight. We're hard against it. No, I didn't. I did a podcast earlier this afternoon. My brother John, for a post-production thing, and we don't have any deleted scenes. We didn't shoot anything that we didn't use. We reshot our evenings if we felt we could do better or we had fucked up. But that's it. We ate everything on our plate and we cleaned our plates, and we were ran on a very, high, uh, very high efficiency production. I think we have enough i hope we have enough it's a very it's a very ambitious menu we're proposing but we're going for it so so it sounds like uh he's pushing the limits of of the money that he has been allocated how early in the process did you land on this finale how important was a big showdown on Ferrex? so he goes on to say on a utilitarian level we build an eight-acre, 360-degree masses set at great expense, and you've got to use it. If you're going to build it, then you've got to use it. But, you know, from a dramatic point of view, and it's not something, it's not the kind of thing that you reach for cynically or even or, even, or manufacture. It's not some cheesy thing. But as I'm writing it, you go, oh, my God, what Ferrix is going through is what he's going through. And everything that happens to him is resonating back to Ferrex, and everything that's happening in Ferrex is happening to him. See, the show should have been called Ferrex. And we get to see his internet odyssey, his his isn't internet odyssey. (laughs) Sorry. And we get to see his internal Odyssey and his internal stations of the cross to becoming radicalized and committed. Now we get to see it here. And uh and in the place that even if you're even if you're you' have comp- even if you're have having complicated feelings, I guess this should be complicated feelings about Cassian and is m- more morality, mere morality or whatever, even if you have any kind of um, reluctance to embrace him, it's really hard not to fall in love with Ferex. It's really almost impossible to not feel warmth about that place and it warms him up. So it's interesting. I mean, yeah. I mean, I don't know. I, I some people have said that that they don't really relate to Cassian. I, I've 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 heard that from from a couple of friends, and uh, you know, you don't, you don't. But um, I think he's a pretty relatable character. I mean, how many of you are doing what you're supposed to be doing? <laughs> Myself included. But um, let's talk about B two emo says the rap. Was there any reluctance to place that much emotional importance, especially in the finale, on a little faceless droid? And Gilroy goes on to say, well, that was a multi-stage rocket. It was knowing that we were going to have to have a droid and it's Marvas. You know, he let's have a dog. It's an old dog. That was the first thing that we sketched that we sketched it up, and we had written it down, and then we went to the creatures department led by Neil Scanlon. Uh, we wanted to say what it should look like. And they came back one day with, you know, like seven different versions. And we make all of our modifications. We wanted this and the eye and what color and how big and whatever. And one day we went up at Pinewood to the creature factory and, and there's another end there, and they rolled it out and it's just like, wow, it's just sitting there. It's heartbreaking. And then I'll tell you, the third element was Dave Chapman. The easiest way to do it is to have the puppeteer, the guy who's running the creature, doing the the dialogue. It's for timing and for other actors, and that's the most efficient and best way to do it. Dave Chapman was the puppeteer, and he's very experienced, and it's Dave's voice all the way through here. And we always had the intention to revoice this in the end. That's just the way it always goes. We got to the end and put out the word and got all the voice tapes back and listened to it i don't know a dozen people great voice artists and different interpretations and my brother called me one day and goes this is nuts man nobody's good nobody's as good as dave this guy's killing it like we're all allowed but like are we allowed to you there's a lot of typos in this still this must be like, like just went up uh because we don't even have to loop it it's all there Skywalker looks like everybody's like, holy shit, I got to call Dave. I mean, the phone calls that you get to make when you hire actors and you tell them they got the part or this. I, I don't think I had a better phone call than calling Dave um because he's been doing it forever. <coughs> and it was never something he would ever hope hope for. And you go, dude, it's you. A very, very emotional phone call, very powerful. That performance is on set. So that's that's fucking rad. I didn't I didn't know that. I just heard that. Uh, I I didn't know that it. But that's that's just like C three PO with the original Star Wars. You know, that they, they were they were looking to have him be like this like greasy car salesman is what they described it as. Sort of like, you know, a little bit of a slime ball for three PO. But that British accent won out. You know, hey, just Star Wars. Thank you for the super chat. Uh, evening pal, right late. What's your thoughts on the finale? Ooh, I I loved it, man. I was so into it. Like I watched it twice and I sometimes I'll watch something and it will be like, Holy fuck that put me through the ringer, you know, and I'll watch it again. But when I watch it again, I know the emotional manipulations that are coming. And so when that happens, I, uh, it loses a lot of its potency and it doesn't work as well. And I watch this thing twice and, uh, I think I, it got me more the second time. Uh, I was a little less tired because it wasn't the middle of the fucking night, but I think that had a lot to do with it. But it worked just as well. Instead, instead of diminishing returns, I felt like my second viewing was even better. So, <coughs> I apologize <coughs> to everybody. I'm still getting over this uh, little sickness from yesterday or the day before. <clears throat> so annoying. So very annoying. So anyways, um, to get back onto the article, and he survives, was that always the plan? And ask the rap, and Gilroy says, they they'd bring pitchforks to my house, I will tell you flat out. I can be really chippy, but I do not have the balls to kill B2 in the first season. <laughs> yeah. No. No. Don't even kill him in the second season, man unless he becomes k2so which at this point i'm not on board for early on i thought maybe it would go there and i was like whatever cool maybe it'd be fun but he's he has so much more heart just would be weird um there's an element of the show brought up in episode 11 of the braid was um was that just to show there's more spirituality in the galaxy than just a force and go goes on to say what a heavy complication for Genevieve O'Reilly for Mon Mothma. There's nobody, there's nobody has a tougher ride than that character. Everything she does has to be observed. She's on display all the time. She has no way of, of physicalizing her anxiety. She can't go shoot a gun or blow something up or run away. She has to stay in place. She's suddenly faced with this. I mean, the decisions she that she has to face, they're just terrifying. And look, the other thing is in our show, if any of the elemental people go down, the whole thing goes down. There's just collateral damage to anybody going down. She goes down, the whole thing goes down. The thing goes down, everything goes down. Bell goes down. And then, my God, this Hobson's choice of do I let my daughter take the introduction even? Or do I? Do I run? What do I do? You find that you're going full orthodox. And what a cool twist and turn, yeah, twist and turn, and that's a real thing too. I thought I was fascinated by it. the hippie parents that have to, to have the hedge fund daughter, <laughs> and and Chandrillan culture. We we spend time digging into it more later on. It's very posh and ritual Um, this place, and we're doing a lot of epic work along the way. Those braids, they'll do that. So. <coughs> Yeah, I, I think it, I think that it, that's what's kind of cool about it, too. Like how like Perrin is, is I think, very, very human in a, in a lot of in a lot of ways, in the sense that like he pushes that idea, but then he's also ambivalence about it. And that's how parents are kind of about religion at times. A lot of parents, most maybe not maybe not most I don't maybe maybe most who are religious, it's like they're in it and they'll push the idea that they don't really they don't really want to be in it. They're not really in. it. They're not really filling the fervor, but they're still pushing the ideals. And like that's what Perrin does. He pushes the ideals of that thing onto his daughter. But then Mon Mappa's like, well, he's kind of cool about it, which means he's still like he's still hippie enough, I think, to leave the ball in her court, but. You know, it's those kind of human contradictions are natural, and I, I think the show does a good job with it. Uh it didn't I didn't feel like it was a contradiction, I, like it was like it was a plot hole, plot hole here. It wasn't like that. So uh the rap says, Let's talk about Andor's arc in this episode. Maybe we start with the final scene and him with Luthen." And Gilroy says, Oh, start with that. There's no game there. What he says to him is legit seriously recruit me or kill me barracks is gone his mother's gone he's been through all the stuff he's tired he can't keep running it's the tension of not belonging anywhere he's been in exile and he's exhausted and he's in prison and he's in and he's out the need to have a home the need to have the need to have to land is also completely matched by the passion of his anger. And the realization of how dark and evil, and how great it is to destroy this fucking empire. Really, you can't write fucking empire rap. Give me a fucking break. Um, he means that he's all in. We will not be putting his commitment to the cause in debate going forward. So, you see what that here, guys. Read that. He means that he's all in. We will not be putting his commitment to the cause in debate going forward. He's still all in the other issues, and many of you know this season was all about becoming that person then the other four years are becoming a lot of other things and becoming a leader and and surfing your way through the rest of the revolution so so there yeah which which we've known this stuff so it goes on to say uh the rap goes on to ask or to state it's interesting to have this big climax be about the character who is so action driven, but spends most of his time in the shadows. And Gilray says he's hiding because there's like 20 people and they want to kill him. He found out that Bix is trapped, and that's part of his motivation. You know, he feels so responsible for what's happened to her. He's been with her whole—he's been with her whole life. With I think it's supposed to be he's been with her her whole life, and she's so important to him. So that's part of it. And things on the ground are out of his control and taking a shape that, that he never expected the same way that Luther is watching. He is in a stupid sort of doctoral thesis. I don't work this way. I don't think this is the way when it happens, but he's watching himself writ large on the streets. And yes, that's his consciousness coming together from various points of view all around. When you go there, and you go like, oh my god, I didn't, I didn't, I didn't know I was doing this. But wow, look how smart we are for doing this. When I was, when I saw those dailies come in, it's like, wow, man. You could watch all the parts of yourself coalescing to where you are. That's really what's happening. So, yeah, that in the way all of those branches of plot, character, motivation, everything came together beautifully in the ending there. So they say uh, the rap says let's talk about the big post credit scene and he says as much sh- as much shit as I brought into the writers room all kinds of different things and all kinds of scenes all the way through the sketches for stuff and ideas for stuff I did not have Luke Hall who's really my primary collaborator above all and he's the production designer because he I have he and I have to do everything with him first before anything luke was in our first writer's room so and when we were doing stuff doing the prison stuff we said we're not going to do prison if we have to do something that's already been done we want to be new or we'll do something else or substitute something else for it i cannot remember in the In the speed and blur of the room but someone said electric floors and I'm like okay Wow what's that like and then excuse me and then the factory they're making these things and then we have to go off with with Luke uh, he means the production designer right I think he means that and they designed the actual process and what the thing was was like and we got refined then we got there and we're like fuck what are they building the building parts for the Death Star, we had the idea. And and then we thought, ooh, how smart we are and how clever, whatever. And we have that idea to the, we gave that idea to the visual effects department. The visual effects department is like Santa Claus. You give them these ideas and you go back to a visual effects review and you just go like, oh my God, can we have that? They went off and built the whole thing and brought it back to us. And we tweaked it a little bit, but it's really their baby. The thing I would say about it from the bigger point of view is that Cassian is like Zelig. It's it's not in the shapeshifter way, but in the fact that he's all these events that matter, and we don't want pixie dust, and I don't want to do something in some goofball manipulative way. But that's the center beast. The guy is in prison becoming radicalized to becoming a leader for the first time and coalescing a lot with these elements inside himself that are building up. He's building this thing. We have no idea what it is and we will never know what it is. He's building the thing that's ultimately going to kill him. So, and then there we go. That, that was the article. Thank you, Matt Risman for pointing that one out. That one did have a lot of good shit in it. That is fucking totally true. I'm with you there. Um, uh, oh. We got, we got, we got our hot girl spam. I guess that's what happens when I just decide to go do do one of these shows on, on on you know on a whim. But that's the way it goes. Marvel's hologram was phenomenal. Even Brassa relaying her message to Cassie and hit me right in the feels. Yeah, I also liked it when he fucking when Brassa took that break and fucking hit that guy in the face with it. That like that Commander looking guy. I don't remember what they're, what they're called, but. Matt, I should I should make you a mod in this. Um remind me or I'll we'll try to remember. I will make you a mod next time I can. Uh, okay, Baymax got it. Thank you, Baymax. Yeah, but we I should definitely give give a couple a couple of you guys mod powers. that's for damn sure. I'll, I'll try to get on that in the future. Um, yeah, and then we got a couple of things over at 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 the bulletin. Oh, I think I might have just got a message from let me see. did I get a message from the bestman bulletin? Is the bulletin reaching out? Oh. Um, wait, is that is that public? Because there's my I'm telling him I'm I'm I am i am i am on a show. So okay, Kathy Kennedy reportedly has the 2026 2027 Star Wars slate planned out. So which, by by the way, you know, there's there's some rumors going around. By the way, that um, yeah, so 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 okay, there's a rumor going around that Indiana Jones Five is titled The Dial of Destiny. So, huh. honestly, yeah, it's not 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 super exni- super exciting, but also. Um, so fucking kind of left field that it makes me go, you know. Yeah. Are you covering the articles from earlier? Yep. 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 I'm back on the beat. Live right now, Bestman. Right am live right now. Okay. I'm now now we're all on the same page. Hey Rob, do you want back on or are you busy? I, I don't wanna I didn't want to put you through another show if you, you know had shit to do or whatever. But um so let me let me let me get let me share best bin bulletin not a bulletin around here we go all right so Kathy Kennedy reportedly has the 2026 27 slate planned out so I I believe I believe this to, to a large extent um I was talking to some people at Pinewood and there there's some evidence that they will be shooting a Star Wars movie or I, sh- I don't think shooting beginning construction on a Star Wars movie around April to May. And uh, so if you think about it, um, this actually may be a good sign for the Taika Waititi project. Uh, it sounds like how it's going to go is Taika going to turn in his movie around December and then they'll know. And if it does happen around April or May, they will start making sets. So that's what I have heard. Okay. That's me now on to the article. Kathleen Kennedy reportedly has the 2026, 27, 27 star Wars slate planned out. Excuse me. And you can give Mr. Bespin a coffee if you want to. I did yesterday. Give him some walk around money. So if you read his site, uh, I suggest doing it. So over the past few days since it was revealed that Bob Iger is returning to replace Bob Chapek as Disney's CEO, fans have begun speculating again if this comes with the end of Kathy Kennedy's reign at Lucasfilm president. Rumors stated when Collider's editor in chief teased that something was so, somebody was on thin ice with the Disney board upon Iger's return. But did not mention Ortiz Kennedy's name. Despite this, some fans displeased with Kennedy's run as Lucasfilm president began speculating that the end was near for Kennedy. And speculation only heightened when YouTuber John Campia claimed that the decision to remove Kathy Kennedy as Lucasfilm president had already been made. And, but she won't be let go until the release of Indiana Jones 5 this summer. Though I personally don't believe this claim that Disney has already decided to let Kathy Kennedy go once Jones releases, it's worth mentioning that Kathy Kennedy's current contract ends in 2024. So ending in 2024, that makes... She might not come back in 2024. That, that's, that, that's completely possible. I'll tell you this, though. If they were ousting her, she'd be fucking gone. She'd be out right now. Right now is when they're cleaning the house. Right now is when they pulled the Band-Aid off. They wouldn't let it... St- Hey, hey, you're fired, and you know you're fired next year. That's not how it works. I just, this, just, just, this, just, this doesn't make sense to me. Um, did they tell her we're not gonna, we're not gonna fucking re up your contract? I guess, I guess that could happen, but I don't know. I'm, I'm not, I'm not really not feeling this rumor has any legs. And uh, I, I asked a couple of people about it, and I have we just haven't gotten anything on it. Nothing. So I kind of feel like if it was happening, it would be all over. If it had leaked out, if it had leaked out to Campy, I feel like now it'd be crawling all over the company. It's kind of my my take, you know. So, but just Star Wars says it's confusing because there are reports of Kennedy actually leaving around Indy Five, but also hearing a host of new movies she's planning. Is she setting up things for after her departure? And that's the whole thing. Is is. You bring up what you're saying is like, I you're implying something I think is very good and that's uh and that's basically it doesn't make sense it does not make sense if if Kathleen Kennedy was was being ousted she wouldn't be making more more films and that she's they're gonna have to pay her for as a producer on them, like so you know, I'm sending Rob a link. I guess Rob wants a link. You said you could chat, so you you you're just confused, my dumbass. But we'll see what happens here. We'll see. I'm just having all my stuff fall on my desk right now. It's the way it goes. But anyways, uh, back to the article. Shortly after Campy has claimed, the topic was brought up on the Hot Mic podcast, hosted by uh, John Ro- Roca and journalist insider Jeff Snyder, the Jeff Snyder who's been on a fucking tirade lately, and I have enjoyed it. Um, When asked about what would happen to Kennedy with the return of Iger, Snyder said, I think there's a lot of stuff coming down the feature side at Lucasfilm to be excited about specifically on the Star Wars side. I think it was a conscious effort to pivot to television for a while and establish Disney plus and to tell some different stories, but fans have to be patient obviously. And we're not going to see any of this stuff until 2025 with Snyder's then claiming that Catherine Kennedy has the next five years planned out. They have the 2026, 2027 slate planned out. We don't know what they are yet. That sounds reason to me. Also doesn't sound, doesn't sound like somebody who just got fired. Um, but then again, you know, Snyder could be hearing the stuff from last month and yesterday, everything changed, but I think Snyder might have the, the vibe more correct um, in my opinion. Um, I always tell readers to take a look at what reporters track records, says Bestman Bulletin. Snyder himself exclusively broke that Damon Lindelof, Watchmen, The Leftovers, was developing a Star Wars movie back in March, many months before the story was reported by the trades and has since revealed that Lindelof's film will release in December 2025. Following the Lindelof reports, it's been revealed that Sean Levy, Stranger Things, Free Guy, is set to direct an untitled Star Wars movie in and will focus on his efforts on the feature once Deadpool 3, his next film, releases in November 2024. In addition to Lindelof, of these Star Wars films, Taika Waititi, you just scared the shit out of me, by the way, uh, Kevin Feige, Patty Jenkins, and Ryan Johnson have all signed on for individual Star Wars projects. The last paragraph, okay. Personally, I believe, this is best been bulletin, saying, personally, I believe if Kathy Kennedy leaves the position of the president, it will be at her own accord. During Kennedy's spell as Lucasfilm's president, the Star Wars movies releases have amassed over $6 billion and saw multiple successful Star Wars television series launch, with The Mandalorian specifically being a highly significant contribution factor, contributing factor to the successful launch of Disney's streaming service, Disney Plus. So, yeah. How's it going, Rob? Welcome back.
1: Hey, we're actually going to talk about Andor now. <laughs> the merits of its existence like that was an awfully interesting review I uh so so some context on on some of the stuff one with Campia yeah, yeah. you know he's very careful when he like talks about things to preface whether it's a rumor or just some random thing he heard and I, yeah. I've been listening to him for a number of years now I can kind of tell the difference right like let me give you an example he's the one who said he had heard Ben Affleck was out as Batman and he didn't preface that as like a, he'll usually say something isn't or isn't a rumor. He said, yeah. I heard that, just so you know. This one, he said, it's not even a rumor. Just saying something someone said, and I don't even know, which means oh. he heard it from someone who's been 50 50 or before. He's no, he's really good at not. Okay. Like, I don't, I know I get it's a cop out, but at the same time, he, I get why he does that, you know? Yeah. So, just
0: usually that's, but, that's like the place where you just don't say anything about it in the end especially if it's about somebody right. being
1: hired like that's
0: right you could everyone's we can, can, talking can about campia so it's a way to promote yeah. a show right so yeah like that's, <laughs> exactly <laughs>
1: right. exactly but it
0: but it's also like you know it, i don't i'm not gonna cry for kathleen kennedy's pocketbook but you know you're you're right. you're saying something incorrect about somebody's career it's kind of i guess she's pretty fucking well, the only she's a titan the only so thing that
1: made whatever. me wonder uh, fired he i don't think he ever said that just leaving right like finishing okay. tenure that her first film would be sort of indiana jones over there in the last one it's like a way to bookend the careers the way it was being framed you know yeah and i guess no one wanted to bring it up till now probably because you know they had a bunch of other fucking shit going down so i get it um i would say that like like you're right in that she's not she would never be fired they're not firing kathleen kennedy you know what i mean like for doing what that that division is 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 booking subscriptions on a disney plus when you know what i mean a lot aren't well like Best i don't says, know what the I listen, just moving the hmm? yeah.
0: yeah sorry no bestman says i listened to uh-huh. the episode too he said he heard it from two sources he said one had a thousand percent track record and the other was about 90 percent
1: yeah, so I could see she planned on retiring. The, the only thing that gave me some yeah. reason to believe that there's probably some legs to that idea would be Regiswan stepping down. In that, we all assumed Michelle Regiswan was the heir to the throne, right? So, like, to the well, we're talking like Kathy like isn't 2019, leaving,
0: yeah, right? 2019 Kathy, that was more of the more of the vibe. I don't know how long that lasted, and I have no idea. Like, and that was like what I was told one time like if we fucking you know if there was a a fucking plane crash and uh we lost our president then who would be the the next in line who would take over at that moment and that's that's who somebody told me would be
1: and this is all before Mando and there's a lot of different producing going on this is before episode nine had finished
0: everything and everything like that yeah So
1: so when she leaves you know we had a conversation that means one of two things either a you don't have a future job or B Kathleen Kennedy ain't stepping down for another 10 years. So there's no growth potential here. I need to go somewhere else. I'm not sticking around 10 more years waiting for maybe a future job, right? It's still 50 50, you know, Mm -hmm. the problem is the minute you say any of this, you know, the news cycle is they're firing her. They're firing Kennedy, blah, 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 blah. You know, everyone breaks out the ferricks horns, you know, know, (laughs) instead of the funeral. yeah, Yeah. 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 Yeah, so it's, you know, whatever.
0: Yeah. 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 I, uh, yeah, I don't know. I mean, I, I, at some point it will be true. Like I was saying before. And it's just like, right. that's why I'm always like, well, you know, eventually these stories are going to be right. But right now it doesn't sound like that's the case. And, um, I mean, how many more years does Kennedy realistically have? I mean, at some point, I mean, I would guess in the next five years, she's probably likely to go. You know, in the next five years, it's, it's likely right. she's going to like move on to something else or or retire. I mean, at some point, Snyder. She it.
1: Yeah. Well, Snyder is the one, if I remember right, because I, I watched The Hot Mic. It's like my, it's my, I like it more on our show, Jason. So, what? I, I know, I know. So, um, been he's kind of the one who Snyder was saying. Myself. He was the one who was saying that the reason why um they didn't mention because when he broke that Harrison Ford was gonna be in the Marvel, the Thunderbolts, right? That they didn't mention it at D twenty three because Kathy and them were like, We don't want this taken away from fucking Indiana Jones and shit, you know? Yeah. Like, and i a hundred percent buy that one, you know, and he was the only one saying that, you know, so like He's been pretty keen on just saying that the next thing down the pike he thinks is the Lindelof thing more than anything yeah is, you know
0: yeah so. I, I and I think that I think that fucking tracks like the best out of out of everything that ever did you hear the, the uh, what'd you think of that of that indie title the Dial of Destiny
1: no 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 and I remember <laughs> when the Phantom Menace came out it was so weird I was like yeah I buy that but the yeah. Dial of Destiny. 2ds it's such a stan lee thing you know it's not yeah. they're more uh, likely know. to call I, I it indiana jones that's it like seriously like they're like, well i, maybe, I mean destiny. the pick of destiny right like i don't yeah makes me think of the soap
0: yeah. like maybe indiana jones gets some dial soap and uh you just wash your body in it with your goddaughter Something magical happens you get your boner back at 80. Throwing it out there,
1: I mean, like, they could do it. I've heard. I mean, like I once went when we were trying to like pick out like Indiana Jones names. You go to those Republic serials. There's not a lot of Republic serials, by the way. If you go through the list of them, they're not as many as you think really? there would. But you think there'd be hundreds. There's not. And even when yeah. you go through the names, you're like, yeah, this sounds stupid. Like, you know what I mean? Like, there's not a lot of like wordplay to do with those. Like, Lucas kind of did a lot of the wordplay already you know yeah but i
0: mean the, the the whole the whole thing is like when it comes to these fucking titles like honestly the forest awakens is not is not on not in the mold it doesn't really work it doesn't really fit with with what the other titles were doing so i have no idea for him that in that situation here that's why i just go like i don't know i don't know what he called this other wolverine movie i don't know this guy title shit
1: I have no idea. Logan. That's why I was saying he's more likely yeah. to call this shit just indie. Yeah. Boom. Like, I don't I don't know, man. I don't, don't know how to do that though. You can't do that though. i hope he doesn't
0: do that I'd be stupid.
1: What the but... second to the last crusade? Like, what are you gonna the problem is they put the last crusade in a movie? It's like look, I like the last shit I, but that's a name that but but it was not, not last like but that's either to... you either start crusade. a series off with that or you end a series off. God these sexy bots, man. You what? Know, yeah, why don't they ever call me directly? You know, so no,
0: but but we'll talk to them after the show. Yeah. Um. But Snyder's <laughs> been
1: pretty like he doesn't even like any was like he you know like, to be honest it doesn't he doesn't sound, doesn't sound, sound like he's, he's into, into
0: the him. into the Lucasfilm stuff like it's not really his no his he likes Star act. Wars
1: but yeah not a lot um, it, but you know
0: right right all right so what else we got here from from Bestman Full or Bulletin. Are you best in Fulton around? Come on. Go do it. All right. There we go. Thank you. This thing is stupid sometimes. Uh, News on The Mandalorian season three and more will be released during December 1st during Lucasfilm CCXP panel. Hello there. Give me some coffee. I'm
1: on Hive and Mastodon. I made a Hive account. That's the Brazilian. Is that the Brazilian Comic Con?
0: I think so. Yeah, I think so. Um, yeah, I I was like I was talking to Besman about it. I was like, what what is this thing? I never heard of this thing. It's like a big deal. I'm like, is it like like why is it a big thing? Is it a bunch of like Hollywood execs who want to like go out and fucking party in Brazil and have some fucking coffee and G strings? You know, like what's going on? But I don't know why. I don't know what it is, I don't know why it's a big deal, but it's apparently it is, and they confirm it. Tax so tax haven. And uh, mm. um, I made a Hive account. You can follow me on Hive. I don't know if it's going to be a thing. I also made a Mastodon account. I Mastodon fucking sucks. I'll say that much. Mastodon I, I, three sucked. seconds, three seconds
1: Hive... on Mastodon. I was like, this is never going to work. So, yeah, uh, it's
0: yeah, it's fuck that shit. And Hive Hive has a better chance at working. I don't know if it will. I'm not betting on anything. I have no idea. But Hive is a lot better. Hive is a little bit like if uh, Instagram and and Twitter had a baby. You know, like if you were tweeting yeah, out your Instagram post, I mean, it's all right. You know, I'm only not a couple like a day, but I've, I've had a better time than I did on Mastodon. I don't you that much. All right. So in a, this is Bespin Bulletin. In a tweet from the official CCXP Twitter account, the convention has announced that Lucasfilm will have a panel at the upcoming convention on December 1st and promises that the studio will be bringing news for The Mandalorian Season 3, Indiana Jones 5, and more. The tweet reads, the Disney NACC XP... God, I hate these fucking titles, by the way. Sounds like Russian. Right? The CC, I like, remember
1: that? The CC- I, I, I feel I
0: feel like it's a fucking Disney college <laughs> basketball team or something, like league or something. Anyways, uh, Disney CC XP uh, Vista windows 95 is coming with everything to the CCXP 22. What don't say? The panels will take place on Thursday, 12 one uh, Lucasfilm will bring news of the third season of the Mandalorian and the fifth film of Indiana Jones. What more noon? I tell you CCXPO official dot C3PO.com. So yeah. And that kind of lines up with what I was hearing that we would have, uh, a poster for um what do you call it coming mid-december and then the trailer on christmas day and so i could see them showing the mando trailer at this event and then releasing it to us on christmas day i think that may be the plan maybe maybe they'll just release it that day instead that'd be great uh because it will just go onto the internet obviously so just do that it's unsurprising that lucasfilm intends to use their time to promote their next two major projects the Mandalorian season three and in Indiana Jones five. In regards to the latter, Dr. James Mangold Logan Ford versus Ferrari has previously shared that the first trailer for Jones will arrive in less than a month. With fans expecting the trailer to deb- debut before Avatar Ava, Avatar The Way of Water uh, hits theaters on December 16th. Lucasfilm previously showcased a trailer for Jones at D23 in September with footage eventually making its way online. I, I saw it, you guys. I saw it there, Andy, right on the internet. Um, the wonder is, will Lucasfilm debut the aforementioned trailer Jones' untitled fifth outing for those exclusively in room, or will they release it to the public at the same time? Um, I, also th- I also think it would be a mistake to release the Mandalorian Season 3 trailer and Indiana Jones' at the same time. Like, You don't want to do that to get Oh, they're clean.
1: definitely doing that, Jason. <laughs> you think, so you think yeah. on
0: December first they're going to re- they're going to release both those online
1: at the same time? You know, they always do some weird shit. They you know? should like if they do that. I mean, I mean, yeah, not just them, but Disney as a whole. Like, here's the one I'm trying to figure out. Right, right. They put out an Avatar trailer, and then two weeks later, put out another final two weeks, like <laughs> a yeah. month plus out for a, over a month out from release. It's like, what are you doing there? Like, like what is, that is just a weird, I don't know, man, dude. disney has got some weird ass marketing that eludes me, you know, <laughs> like <laughs> the seat, okay. sir. That's what it right. um, the Mandalorian
0: season three had its teaser trailer during the D 23 expo in September and was met with much excitement from fans the Lucasfilm have remained tight-lipped regarding the season since, including removing its February release from its social media bios. A past report from Making Star Wars said that, according to their sources, the official trailer for Mando's third season would debut on December 25th, with a poster being unveiled around 10 days before that. The Mandalorian is set to release in February. I'm sure some fans are hoping the trailer gets debuted earlier at CCXP, but if it does then I'd expect it to be shown exclusively to those in attendance as Lucasfilm have no problem showcasing trailers for their television series exclusively to those in the room as they did. So in April, when they first debuted the trailer for the Mandalorian season three at Star Wars celebration, it's quite possible Lucasfilm won't show any footage at the convention and instead share some exclusive news. For example, though it's been widely reported that Christopher Lloyd back to the future will star in Mando season three. It, it it's get uh it's get to be it's yet to be officially confirmed by lucasfilm or the actor and i can see lucasfilm form uh formally making the announcement at the convention so then it goes on to say that basically like my my first thought is that willow as the series premiere is just hitting basically so some some more willow stuff i don't want to get into the willow stuff right now so i don't want to play in trouble
1: Doc Bescar. You know? Yeah.
0: Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I sold the Mandalorian
1: so, some used pinball machine parts and he thought it was the <laughs> throne <in> the Mandalore. <laughs> yeah. I, I'm, I'm with him now.
0: Yeah. I mean, I, I think I think based off of what, what we heard, what I heard, whatever, how you want to look at it, what what, what I heard, how, how it was going, um, we're going to have, I think on December 1st, they're going to show that stuff there to those people. Then I think after that will be followed. Maybe the Indiana Joe show will come that day uh, publicly. And then I think on Christmas Day we get the Mando three trailer. I think that's probably the plan, and I do think it would be a mistake to release both together because, you know, you're like it's the there's a shared audience, but something's going to win. You're you're little you're like you're dividing the house against itself, right? If you do that, so hopefully they're not dumb because like uh, it would just be a big mistake. Oh hey, Felony, how are you, dude? What what are you doing? I want to give
1: there? you. Exclusiveness. i wanted to give you this uh john told me something i just thought you'd love to know indiana jones is a godfather that's the name of the movie because john loves godfather (laughs) he does yeah and he's gonna be a godfather in the movie
0: yeah yeah godfather's pizza and Mm. michael jackson once asked to use his bathroom
1: oh i love i gotta get some godfather's pizza i'm gonna eat so dumb
0: <laughs> and then we already talked about the video game story and then bestman says and or season two will start a year after the events of the season one finale and um that article i don't know if it's might kind of be what we've already been hitting on yeah this is kind of what we already just went over in this, the previous articles today so Gilroy didn't share any other details regarding season two, but did mention that one of the responsibilities of season two is bringing Cassian's beloved companion from rogue one, a star Wars story into the fold. K2SO K2 was uh, K2 was originally set to appear in season one of the Evandor when Steven Schiff, the Americans was set to, to show run the series before Tony Gilroy stepped in and rewrote the first season while Cassidy, which pushed K2's inclusion down the line. So, so, what check out that article Andrew? on on you know? on on dot bulletin.com, your number one place for Ander news.
1: Who doesn't like a good choking? I mean, he choked Ander. Hey, hey.
0: Yeah.
1: he's like, <laughs> I gotta he get myself, him. I gotta get
0: myself one of those, one of those choke droids. Yeah. Is that what they call them? Yeah. Yeah. So, K2 um, Kung Fu. <laughs> Marty says, I seen the Willow trailer, and I think we all know how that story will go uh it's yeah kind of maybe i can't say anything but um
1: a lot of people I, like I it will, jason
0: i will uh a lot, of people like a lot of people are saying it's good a lot of people are saying um mm-hmm. i'm going to rewatch all seven episodes um in the next like two days or so and uh after thanksgiving when i don't have my children i'm gonna watch one so i'm gonna sit here and record a video that I'm gonna, I'm gonna upload that video scheduled, to, you know, I'm gonna schedule the video out for when the release of that that comes, and I'm gonna do all seven weeks of the or whatever it is of that show.
1: Such and a uh, Jason, yeah. you you can leak everyone else's stuff, <coughs> but you can't leak your own, huh? Hmm.
0: Well, I said if, if if they let me see something early and I sign an NDA, I won't buck them over. You uh, know, if I make yeah. if I make a deal, her such, a, all such a show,
1: such a show. <laughs>
0: <laughs> but um and then here is uh without getting t- into a review territory or anything like that there were some things in the show that I had a really hard time like getting acclimated to and things that it I did not feel were in the vibe of the film and once I got past some of that stuff or I should say I just knew it was there and I watched it again I was able to enjoy it for what it was, not f- mad at it for what it should have been or could have been. So yeah, Josh. Judging, oh, sorry. Did you get more on what it is? <laughs> sorry. I'll sorry. call. Sorry. Leave, leave, leave. poor Josh alone.
1: He's not uh, here to
0: defend himself. Maybe. No. Um. So it's like, God, there, there's some really good moments in that show, and, mm-hmm. but also like i i've already said uh, careful don't music, say uh, it no, no no i've already said it the uh the uh, musics the, the the stuff of modern music mixed in with willow is something that i have a really hard time with and uh and it for me it, it was overshadowing important huge moments in it so uh but i got a little bit more used to it and i'm and i'm gonna go through like i said i'm gonna go through and i'm gonna i'm gonna be fair I'm gonna be critical. I'm gonna be fair, but fucking Willow was the little fucker I was rooting for more, more than anybody in this whole fucking Lucasfilm thing. More than Indiana Jones, I was rooting for Willow. So, uh, yeah. so, so you I'm know. so glad
1: I picked Andor as the one I was rooting for. I won this year. Yeah. No, you were, you were I'm all. So told, I, I I, I said, won.
0: I said, what do I spoil? What do I, I get? win the show? What do I get? All the I info win the show. For? Do I get Kenobi or do I get Andor? You said, fuck Andor. That guy sucks. Bix is ugly. Get Kenobi. That's what you said, Jason. The minute
1: I said "fuck andor," you tuned me out. I said "fuck andor," and you can't can't make the. Oh,
0: fuck andor (laughs) to eat his ass is actually what you said. You're right. (laughs) You You were you were completely into it. I I take it. Uh, (laughs)
1: Yeah. Climb right up that ass. Climb (laughs) right up that ass. Get right Mm. all
0: right all up in there. Climb. um, Yeah. So, uh, Max. Yeah. I I am (laughs) I am, and I know Bestman has seen some of Willow. And, uh, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. we are coming at Willow from vastly different, like generational perspectives. Like Bespin wasn't uh, an eight year old, like anticipating Lucasfilm's next feature. Like I was like, like Willow was a big deal to me. Willow was one of the first film. Willow and Last Crusade were two of the first films I actively like anticipated and like read magazines for and cut clippings out and shit. You know what I mean? Like it was a big deal, and when it came for me as an eight-year-old, it delivered perfectly. It was loved it, and uh, so, anyways, the uh, the uh, the new show. I'm gonna I'm gonna dig back into it, but I don't know I don't know what's gonna happen. Like I said, I'm gonna sit right here. I'm gonna fucking watch the episode, and then I'm gonna talk about it to the camera right after, and um, so it'll be I'll I'll be candid about it. I'll be honest, and I appreciate the access to the screener, but I won't. I won't lie. I won't lie for access either. Otherwise, I wouldn't Ugh. have
1: done anything I would. I are going to make it on YouTube if you don't want. Like <laughs> <gasps> huh? Oh, yeah. I are going to make it around here, Jason. Willow was going a big
0: switch, to be honest with you. There were way too many daikinis in this episode. <laughs> um, Bespin, Bespin wasn't even a thought in his father's nutsack when Willow came out. Yeah, that's
1: true. Okay. That's right. true. Whereas yeah.
0: I preferred Howard the Duck to Willow. Well, you got beat by Marty, who preferred crawl to Willow, which is way more on point.
1: But what did you just say? <laughs> yeah, Kroll. Kroll. Oh, crawl. Yeah, I preferred Beast, Beastmaster to Kroll.
0: Okay. Oh, yeah. Ooh, that's a hard one. I had a ferret as a kid, so I was I always felt like a kinship with uh Beastmaster from for that reason. I always felt Hey Matt, how's game, it going, man? dude? Hey Matt, have you oh, seen right. Willow? Have you have you have you watched Willow yet? curious if if Matt's if Matt should, Mr Jarbo seen Willow you should
1: just do Jason on the street and then just ask people if they know what Willow is have you seen Willow mm-hmm. yeah and just see if they go you know Willow Smith right like, Will- Willow Smith
0: you're talking about that girl yeah. that put that flute up her pussy no 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 that's she's in the other show She's that's her, but from Jesus the other
1: Jason. show. And I did not expect that joke was gonna go that way. I was just thinking you know, people don't know what Willow is, but holy shit. <laughs> You're talking well, about thinking- Willow from Buffy. Jason you gotta be very careful. I could come all across. That joke took a little bit of a leap. <laughs> American pie. It's I had to do the math on that one.
0: It's there Jeez. though. It's there. And I knew a guy who got to date her when we were in bands back in the day. So um fuck that guy. Lucky <laughs> ass, lucky ass bitch the guy like, um no one needed to know that <laughs> no, no it's important it was important. I'm, I'm pretty mad about it i was yeah. like it's like why you <laughs> um no, sure that's when he was like, a kid he preferred red sonya to willow yeah i, I liked red sonya back then too you know it read have you watched red sonya lately is that shit even like like oh no it's not good it's it's that yeah you, it's not really no. watchable is it no is it it's, no. it's, it's like it's like a step above garbage Kids because it's got titties in it, pretty much. <laughs> and
1: you know, our Schwarzenegger's in there as not Conan. That, that's yeah.
0: fun. Is, is he not Conan the Barbarian on it? No. Oh, I always thought it was Conan in it when I was a kid. Or Conan. No. Um no. Matt says, I have not seen the new show. I don't get access to anything, but I'm excited to watch it next week. I'm going to finish, uh I'm going to finish and in... okay. Yeah. So when you yeah, when you when you do like a lot of people are watching like the first two and they're like verdicts out well, i'm like mm, gotta watch the first four
1: and i love every I, I go just watch the first episode i would like best star wars ever so marty i love you I man know. marty saw beastmaster
0: had donovan from v yes it did yes it did have donovan from v in it Man, yeah. he was he was just a fucking newsman you know what i mean just a news guy he didn't want to get involved in this shit and look what happened V also had Freddy Krueger. Man, I'm I'm surprised. Uh I'm surprised they haven't been able to repackage V for the QAnon crowd yet. You know? They did. Like... They
1: remade V. No, but they didn't we do it for the QAnon crowd, and nobody
0: watched it. Uh,
1: the thing is that you know, those fuckers don't actually spend money on like real shit. They spend things on fake shit. So wow. you know, dick pills and you know B fifty two B fifty two blink one thirty two tickets. Max says, "My ripped grand
0: on steroids, Conan, Conan, Conan the Destroyer." I, I think I think a Conan is when your grandma becomes a lesbian, falls in love with another woman, and, you, and then you have two nans, but one's not your real nan, so she's just your Conan. I think that's how it goes. But anyways, uh, so Rob, Rob, I, I, you you're looking forward to a to a cooking the the old Thanksgiving tomorrow? You go, you go oh do no it, do no town? I'm
1: cooking it next week maybe not, not tomorrow <laughs> you, you don't you don't not you tomorrow. celebrate after no i got acid reflux this year apparently so i was putting too much lemon juice in my water and now i gotta take it easy on the food for a couple weeks so i i heal up oh
0: so, so are you guys are
1: you guys really pushing thanksgiving you guys are gonna yeah yeah, yeah. i'm not gonna fucking eat like thanksgiving dinner yeah i mean first off let's just be honest like it's a bullshit fucking holiday to begin with so it doesn't really matter when i make that fucking meal you know what i mean like yeah we we donate to the native american like helping to feed the the, the ones that can't fucking eat because our government stars their whole fucking communities to death you know fund. yeah and then uh, i'll make the food a week or two from now it doesn't really matter yeah. yeah
0: well enjoy your day tomorrow enjoy your day tomorrow rob I'm gonna,
1: oh, I'll be working. All right.
0: Guess we should have just done a show tomorrow then.
1: <laughs> okay. There won't be any news tomorrow.
0: Um, Chris says, my cousin it's married...
1: tomorrow is when they launched the indie trailer. He's, he's All right. Like... <laughs> oh, that would be cool. They, they
0: they did do uh Force Awakens uh Thanksgiving evening. Remember that?
1: Yeah. So I remember it... we're, my wife and I were we, had, we went back to this cabin that we had spent our honeymoon at, mm-hmm. and it was one of those vacations that got ruined because the fucking. Roof like it was snowing and the roof leaked and flooded in all the snow in in the place. So they gave us this other cabin which was not only it was not only incredibly inferior. It, it was it was claustrophobic. It was weird. They put us like in a coffin essentially. Okay. And we were she was you know we were both crying about it. So we watched the trailer and then just packed up early. Hmm. Yeah. yeah, that's how I remember the Force Awakens. That's how should I ended the trilogy. When you think should, about it, you we know. were home. <laughs> <I just laughs> had a good cry went home whatever you know yeah. <laughs> started um, off well
0: chris says his cousin married conan the wrestler laugh out loud I
1: Yeah, really
0: the welsh really love their conan jokes
1: you know what i mean no no oh, no, no, no he's not
0: Welsh. he's he's australian he's he's oh. he's australian uh Bam X oh, says man. i'll be all alone tomorrow but at least i know who rick mccallum is Hey, you're you're qualified to have a YouTube show. No, you know too much. Get the fuck out of here. I don't know. Just, um,
1: I was told the WA stands for the Welsh Australian. I <laughs> guess I was wrong. What? Yeah.
0: yeah. All I all I know is that Chris's cousin is really cute. Um, Bestman Bull says I'm thankful that Rob exists. I'm thankful for Adria Arjona, and I'm thankful that Chris stopped asking about Jedi robes. Oh no, uh, Jedi robes? Yes. White Jedi robes? No. He's still asking about that. Still asking about the white Jedi robes. Still wants to know about those fucking Je- white Jedi robes. Won't stop asking, God, Chris. But but honestly, if you, just, if you, just never mind. Roll says double MSW streams on Wednesday. Can I have uh, this as audio to have MSW for? Today? Yeah, yeah. I'm gonna put them all up as audio. I've already uploaded one. I just haven't published it. And uh, yeah, I will put them up. I will put up uh, three episodes over the break. So. So you'll have too much, too much to contend with. Um, Last night's preview episode or impressions episode ended ended up coming out really good. Um, Our buddy, the Star Wars podcast, took like really good notes. So I'll be like, you know, I'm going to upload that one. Usually the impressions ones are just like me being dumb. So I don't put those ones up. But I think this one, this this time we'll put up both. And then we'll, 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 we ended up just kind of like having like a, like a casual hangout today post- come down of the show i think me and rob will probably review the show um uh, on friday or something like that if you want to if you want to do a show on friday are you are you going to walmart to to fight people on black
1: friday rob or are we doing a show no that's called uh get covid day no man (laughs) i literally sit in this room i
0: know you're not going to black friday i i really am aware you are not going to black friday
1: (laughs) (laughs) yeah yeah. I just sit in this room drawing it's a sad life folks like this is like I don't know are you busy no I'm just sitting here you know like fighting off acid reflux drawing you know like that's that's you know getting old Jason getting old. hey
0: yeah so on on Friday on Friday we'll we'll uh we'll do a proper review of it because then we had a discussion with our friends it was a good time Baymax says um thankful Dave Filoni and George are both so giving of their time to come to talk to us every day, right? Can you yeah, imagine? Yeah, big shout out. Yeah, big shout out to them. I never thought when I started this show that George Lucas would would, would show up and Dave Filoni. I mean,
1: <laughs> I just love that I've started the Dave Filoni Impressions community. <laughs> I had to be the guy who invented that, right? Like, <laughs> like I never no heard one, one was doing Filoni right nobody i mean look, guaranteed, so you're like there's a few
0: the weird owl of dave filoni stuff
1: there, there's there's a few ex-girlfriends i'm certain to have that down by you know like way before me. <laughs> yeah.
0: St- steven says uh, no, now that just season two has uh, <laughs> started <laughs> filming <laughs> how long will it take to get more news from it we've got some writers and directors already yeah in terms of like you're talking about like like leaks and stuff mr murphy that's 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 in God's hands. Who knows? But um, let's put it all on Bestman Bulletin since he rocked. I think he I think he was the most prolific scooper of Andor. So let's put it all on Bestman and ask him yeah. all the time and ask him where those fucking white Jedi robes are. God damn it, are they in the show or aren't they?
1: And why did he lie and set up Meg with a false, you know, vizier rumor? Why did you do that to her?
0: Remember, remember, remember when I um when I when I told Meg.
1: To rap, and she was like, "Please leave me alone." <laughs> you did look. I'm very keen on on hearing please for help. Like I speak to my dogs <laughs> really help. well. Like I could tell what they want, and that was that was the most you know blink twice if you're you know <laughs> like, um, please do, God. I, I like I she love, does not want to be.
0: <laughs> I, I was driving later on. I'm like I'm like Mego. You should be like shut. You know, maybe I'll just usually like tell you to fuck off in her own way. And this one, she was just like, no, 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 no. Yes. <laughs> like, yeah. 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 It was like, I was putting the fucking helmet on her, you know, the fucking helmet of truth from Mandar. Um, Bestman Bolton's Rob, Rob's legacy, starting the Avatar fan club in Filoni Impressions. Rob, Rob's legacy, starting an Avatar fan club in the middle of a Star Wars show, which is a pretty good feat. Stephen Murphy says, even if we don't get leaks, we aren't supposed to hear. I'm expecting to at least actors or something announced by the trades that, you know, that's what uh, I said, Filoni, what um, Gilroy was saying in this new episode or in this, these new articles is that there's not that many, there's not that big of a budget. It sounds like, I don't know if it's the same budget as the first time or if it's smaller, it doesn't sound like it's like, it's huge though. So I'm not expecting the cast to necessarily balloon, but
1: um, there will clearly I be think... some new people, but I don't think
0: it's, I don't know if there's going to be a lot.
1: I think that lack of budget has nothing to do with, well, see, they're not giving them the money because clearly, blah, blah, blah. Now, we just live in a world now where you want to hear, you know, when you hear a company overspend on something you that you like, you love it. When you hear them overspend on something you don't care for, you go, oh, big mistake. I think their modest budget is a way of them being left alone in creative decisions. You know what I yeah. mean? Like you can do one too, you can get more budget, but you're gonna have to do this, this and that. Like Logan was one of those responses. You know, like the Wolverine movie had a big budget, but in order to get an R rated Logan movie, you had to do it for 70 mil, you know what I mean? Versus mm-hmm. 150 mil. And it was like, all right, so you write a story that, you know, is more personal, has less characters, you know, makes use of your settings, because andor re- reeks andor fits that description all around, using your settings really well. Really focusing on the people, not the big cameos and sequences and shit like that. So, Well, okay.
0: When I, when I see something weird, Ben this usually works, okay? And I don't know why, but it, it shouldn't, but it does. If you say Flowney's name enough, he'll eventually appear. But here's the weird part. Watch this. Candy man. Candy man. Candy man. No, no, he didn't appear. Sometimes I just say Candyman three times in the mirror and Felony appears. So <laughs> it's
1: weird. I don't know why. I don't know why. Look, the the last person who tried that on was Chris Hansen from NBC, and you know what I mean. Like, <laughs> God, he learned his lesson.
0: <laughs> Every now and then, I have to go back to that one Chris Hansen episode where the guy gets the pizza and like tries to be cool, and like he just like keeps saying hey, you want some pizza. It's like he the pizza it's like yeah it's so fucking cringy but it's so fucking hilarious like anyways uh Jedi Chris says Rob you're risking COVID for Avatar but not Brown Friday so on American he's of course joking but um yeah Celebration will give us some Andor news I think I think Celebration my
1: wife my wife is not risking COVID for An for Avatar she's a theater theaters. you know she just can't wear the mask is what it is for a long period of time
0: mm-hmm. I'm
1: happy in the mask I would like to have a soda. You know, I won't Absolutely. lie. I like to have a soda, you know, when I when I yeah. watch a movie. Sure. But oh no, no soda. Oh my God. Oh, whatever am I gonna do? You know, as a kid, I would have loved to have seen a movie like Avatar in 3D. I could yeah. get soda whenever the fuck I wanted in the eighties. So it's like I'll take right. this experience over the fucking soda. You right. Know? <laughs> right. Yeah. Well, hold on, okay.
0: Sorry, okay. All right. I would have to call it call it call it a day now because the, the kids want me to want me to go do some something so I've been on on the show for a while now so uh all right rob I'll see you on Friday then yeah I'll be here all right I'll I'll, I'll see you ever thank you everyone for the support liking the show um make sure you subscribe to the show on uh iTunes or Spotify if you want audio versions and all that kind of jazz and uh yeah you can do that if you want Or you can just watch us here. I don't care. It's your fucking time, not mine. Uh, How do I end the show? Oh, here it is. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) Hey, Rob. Hey, Rob. What? Fuck you. It's the end of the show. Come on, let's go. Hey! It's the end of the show. Come on, let's go. Hey! It's the end of the show. Come on, let's go. Hey! You know you
1: should go. Come on, let's go. It's not about spaceships.